Hi, Rick. What's going on? How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. Can't complain at all. I like those frames you got on. Uh, thank you. Thank you. They remind me of the ones that I wear. Oh, cool. You get them on now? I can't see. I can't see nothing. What's up with that? Uh, <laughs> you like these frames. <laughs> yeah, I like the frames. I got some similar to them. You got to get some... Uh, these are not prescription. Oh, well, mine are prescription. Okay. But I have some that I can just wear, too, like you, and pop up in them. Okay. So how are you doing this uh, this evening? You doing all right? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm just fabulous over here at Unfiltered with Cara Jones Unlimited LLC podcast, sir. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, definitely. I want to thank you so much for for accepting my invitation mm -hmm. to be um, my interviewee. Oh, well, definitely, you know, appreciate you having me. Definitely glad to be here. Definitely glad to be here. Absolutely. I think I hear some mint condition in the background. Do I, sir? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can always prank the mint. <laughs> You're going to have me over here swerving in my chair in a minute. All right, all right. <laughs> so, so tell me, um, Mr. Rick of mm -hmm. Mint Condition, uh -huh. what is your real name versus your stage name? My real name is Rick. Oh, so Rick is your name. Okay, so where did this Rick Rock come into play? How did that come into play? You know what? A friend of mine, um, when we were on tour, when we first started, we were touring in like a, a Winnebago with a, um, there's a gentleman named Don Clemens. And he, he worked for the record company. And he went hard with us, man. I mean, we still keep in contact with him till this day. He went hard. He was like... Um, he was sleeping on the uh, win the Winnebago. He was driving it. You know, he was uh, like he was our guy at the record company, and he used to call me Rick Rock. Okay, so that was just like a little nickname that he um, gave to you in the motorhome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know where the Winnebago is. That's that's where we started at. We didn't have a tour bus. We went out on tour with a Winnebago. It was, um, the record company was pretty much like, it's a wrap. Are you free? Didn't uh, do well. And so, okay. so we went across country in a, in a Winnebago and, uh, and told people, thank you for playing Breaking My Heart, even though they wasn't playing it. And as soon as we left, started playing it. And then um, I believe like, uh, you know, DC and then San Francisco. And then the song took off to be um, number one in sales over uh, Michael Jackson, Remember the Time, and Prince Diamond and Pearls. What? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, I'm a San Francisco baby. I I'm a native San Franciscan, okay. um, born and raised in the Greater Bay area. And um, all I can say is I've been playing Mint Condition since I was probably like 
17, 18. Oh, great. And that was a long time ago, and I'm still playing. And all my friends in the Bay and around the globe, oh, we love y'all. We love y'all. And it's good to, you're saying? Those are the markets that made it happen for those. The Bay, D.C., uh, you know, those are like the first markets to come on and to get this thing happening, you know. Hey, well, I'm glad that we were able to contribute to the success of Mint Condition. It's our pleasure and our delight. Um, so I also um, saw somewhere that they, um, you're known as the pit bull of the band. What's up with that? Um, well, we all are different. And, you know, those guys are from St. Paul. And where I'm from, we're totally different. We're, uh, we're very outspoken. My mom, you know, my mom said whatever she felt at the time. If you came over at her house and, you, and the kid's house was nappy, hair was, uh, you know, with a little, with a little rough. <laughs> they, you know, do something with your kid's hair. Why are you bringing them out of the house looking like that? And so she always had something to say. And okay. So, I mean, if you look at, you know, and I'm, I'm just a go-getter, you know? Like in, um, I believe it was like right after Life's Aquarium, you, we, you know, we uh, didn't have a record deal for about four years. And I, and I definitely enjoyed that time off and I got to watch my kids grow and I got to spend time with, you know, our family. But it, it, it came a time where we needed to start working again. And so right. that pit bull attitude I got, you know, <laughs> went out and got us a distribution deal. Yeah. Management uh, got us back working again. Management okay. booking agent, which was uh, Michael... Michael and Marlon, who works with, uh, you know, Charlie Wilson. Brought oh, the, my, yeah. Got the, you know, with the hired crew members, which some of the crew is still out with uh, Stokely right now, I believe. I know one or two of them, if I'm not really sure. But, uh, you know, started getting that, you know, the, that, that money back in the account. Awesome. Well, you know, it takes but, that type of gusto and determination Especially in um, this industry, the entertainment industry is so competitive. There's so, you know, many artists out there. And, you know, I, I say to music artists all the time, um, locally and those who I meet when I travel, if you don't promote yourself, yeah. you know, it's, it's, you can hire a booking agent, you can hire um, promotional advertising people, but you got to promote yourself too. So, you got to stand up, you know, and let people know I'm ready to go. Yeah. I stay ready. And, and I mean, like, I watched my dad, you know, like, when I was a kid, um, I watched him, basically, he took me down in the basement one day. We owned a building. We owned, like, a HUD house in Chicago. He took me in the basement. Okay. The neighbors were gone. He basically hooked up a pipe to the gas line because we didn't have gas at the time. Okay. Hooked up a pipe to the gas line and then drilled a hole through the wall to our side, ran a pipe all the way to the other side, hooked it up to our uh, our oven. And at that point, we we were able to boil, you know, hot water to take a bath. And so 
ain't no telling me no, you know. Um, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to figure out a way to make it happen. But with that pit bull attitude also, also comes with um, when you do something wrong, mm -hmm. people, you know, people in the band are definitely going to definitely gonna get on you. Even if somebody else could be doing something wrong or, you know, accountant could be bouncing checks, you know, but you can, <laughs> my ass is going to get it, you know. On, so that's the, you know, that's what happens when you have hey. that, that pit bull attitude, you know, so. Well, it, it comes into play and, and, you know, there's, it's helpful when it's needed and you obviously know how to manage it and made it work for you. Definitely. So um, how exactly, I know that you, you're from Chicago, right? Yeah. Okay, so. How did you come to join or be a part of the Mint Condition Band, and when was that? Um, you know what? A friend of mine stole my equipment, moved up to <laughs> <laughs> he moved up to Minnesota, <laughs> and then he hit me. I'm up. sorry to laugh, Rick. I'm sorry. And then he hit me up. Then he hit me up and needed me to play bass for him. And so I was like, you know what? I was like, uh, mm, I was like, yeah. Let me go do it. So I asked my mom, I was like, mom, can I leave? Because I was a part, I was young at the time. And my How old mom, were you? Uh, I was probably around, I don't know, 17, 18. Okay. It, it was like right after um, I graduated uh, and got a job. And so my mom really wasn't too thrilled with me actually moving because I was, right. you know, He's still it. young, a minor. I was I was part of keeping them, you know, I had money coming in. And stuff. Oh, so I was like, okay. let me go. I was like Prince in the Time is in Minneapolis. You know, I could end up on TV one day. And right. She looked at my dad and my dad was like, you know, let him go. You know, we got we got 14 up in this two bedroom house, you know. I wow. Slept, my clothes slept on the couch. Uh, okay. They were like, let him go. And so, I'm, you know. Moved up here, played in a bunch of different bands. Uh, ended up playing with a lady named Geraldine Steel Battles, which was part of the Steel family, which is a musical group that moved up here from Indiana. So I was playing okay. with. She had a uh, she had a brother-in-law that saw me playing with her. He was putting together a band, and he had uh, Stokely on drums and Larry on keyboards, and then they saw me perform. I had my Jerry curl. You know, I was. <laughs> Oh my God! How great! Are you slinging juice? <laughs> and they were like, you know, they called Odell up. They were like, man, y'all gotta, you know, y'all gotta get this guy. You know, y'all gotta come check out this dude. You know, Soak told his dad. You know, his dad came up, and uh, at the time, their bass player uh, was a cat from uh, Milwaukee pretty much left the group and was like, yo, I'm about to do this uh, group with this. I'm about to do a thing with this band that got a record deal. You know, sorry, y'all. You know, I got to leave y'all. And that, that group was called Exotic Storm. And they had something out back in the day, you know, with the whole okay. Jesse Prince thing. You know, so. <laughs> and so and, and so we ended up recording together and they were like using, I had equipment, so they were using my equipment. 
But being from Chicago, having that pit bull attitude, you know, uh, almost got in the way of me actually being in this um, this this great band. Uh, and so they were like in between because th there was a guy that that I was in another group where we weren't getting along. And so they pretty much saw the, you know, the, the attitude. Um, I'm glad they made the decision to have, you know, to have me in the group because um, I ended up being a big part of this band as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember you. Appreciate it. I yes. remember you. Oh, thank you. You haven't changed much in look either, Rick. Uh -huh. Over the years, <laughs> thank you, thank and you are an incredible, incredible bass player. Appreciate it. That's incredible. Um, who would you say? Well, let me ask you this first. How? What? At what age did you start playing bass? And is that the first instrument that you played? No, I actually played guitar at first. Um, okay. You know, I was I was living in in Chicago. We. I'm from a musical family. Like my, uh, ah. my brother played bass. My brother Roy, who uh, passed away in around 1972 in uh, Korea. Okay, sorry for your loss. He was in the service, and so he passed the bass down. I never had a chance to see him play bass. Okay. He passed the, uh, you know, the bass to my brother Boogie, and then I used to watch my brother Boogie, and then I picked up the bass, and you know, my mom and then would buy us instruments, plastic guitars, and uh, yeah. the first song I played was uh, Another One Bite to Dust by one of my favorite uh, rock groups, Queen. Queen, yes. I used cool. to have a girl come over the crib, and I was like, you know, in the living room, and I played like... <laughs> yeah. Be rocking it. That's how I started playing piano, actually. My parents had purchased me um, one of them toy pianos. And I, I used to sit there and play it, and by like the age around four, five, um, I would hear the uh, Sundays, the gospel music come on the radio. My dad was a preacher. Oh, okay. And um, Walter Hawkins and Love Alive would be playing, and I, I would sit there and I could play it by ear. That's how I started playing piano. I ended up playing four instruments. So I, I totally understand how the, the, the music can evolve through the family and from a young age. Um, who would you say your idol is musically? My, you know, my, um, man, my, um, I, you know, definitely Boosie Collins. There's a dude oh, named yeah. Dr. Mark from the group Slave. He was a real Yes. Slave. Yes. That's why I, and I'm kind of a solid bass player too. And so I listened to those two guys and then I, um, and then it was, uh, I love, you know, Stanley Clark, you know, before I met oh, him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Stanley Clark. Yep. So you're talking my language. I've, I've been in the South for the past 10 years, um, and I don't hear Stanley Clark. I don't hear Bootsy, you know, when I play it at home or in my car or something like that, but I don't hear that on the radio stations here. So it's like, I have to keep all my playlists going. So you just, you got me hyped over here. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, like I said, Stanley was a big influence before I met him. Um, uh, Jocko Pastores is amazing. Yes, yes. 
Yes. What about Verdine White? Oh, Verdine, of course. <laughs> Earth, Earth, wind, and fire, baby. Definitely, definitely. He actually, uh, him and his uh, granddaughter posted a um, a video of them playing Breaking My Heart together the other day. That like, that made my year. Like this. Oh year. my goodness. Yeah. This. I this, have to go look for it. Is it? It's on his Instagram page. It's on our. Uh, you know what? I don't think I posted it, but. Okay. Is or um, is a, I'll send it to you. But uh. Okay. Cool. Please, please. I would love to see that. You know, the elements. Everybody loves the elements, and he is just uh, so phenomenal. They're all just phenomenal, phenomenal. Phenomenal. That, def that definitely made my year because this year. I mean, we all know how this year been. Oh um, God. Uh, but before that, you know, just the um, a young lady here in town had, you know, had passed. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. sure it, she was a real estate agent. That was, you know, that was hard. And then one of the guys that used to be in mint condition, um, Roger Lynch, Roger Trumpman Jr., um, daughter, you know, daughter passed. Um, oh, no. I didn't know that. Um it, you know, Lexi, it, it, so it's, it's been a, you know, just a rough year. Yeah. And then, you know, everybody, what's going on right now, you know, exactly. So it's, it's, I'll be glad when all of this is, you know, is over with. And I definitely want to thank, you know, all the people who work in the grocery stores, who, you know, deliver yeah. food, um, you know, the, uh, the doctors and the, uh, you know, everybody and you know, the doctors and the nurses everybody that's out there doing a great job definitely you know appreciate y'all absolutely we thank them all these you know the front people who are risking their health and their safety and that of their families as well every day we are most appreciative and um, our prayers are always going up for them as well as um, the globe. You know, people all around the, the globe have been impacted by this COVID-19 coronavirus. And, you know, it it's it's um, uh, an interesting yeah. situation. I never thought in my lifetime that I would experience a pandemic, live through a pandemic, but here we are, you know. So we just keep all of them lifted up. And, you know, I, I've seen here on um, Instagram how some of the celebrity artists have um, presented some platforms to um, kind of, you know, break that anxiety spell, depression spell surrounding COVID, like um, Cardi B. You know, coronavirus, coronavirus. You know, I, I, you know, I'm a clin clinical mental health counselor, and I tell people laughing is a great coping strategy. And I tell you, I saved that coronavirus so I can laugh every now and then, even though we know it's not a laughing matter. But sometimes it's good to just make smaller things that yeah. seem to be so big, you know, so we can diminish the the hype and the anxiety around them. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Besides being the hot, you know what, bass player that you are, <laughs> we know that you also are behind some of the writing and production of the hits that mm -hmm. Men Condition played. What, what songs and how many did you help write and produce? 
Oh, uh, I co-wrote, you know, Believe in Us with uh, Brother Stoke. Um, pretty much after Carrie left, you know, because Carrie, okay. Carrie was a powerful, you know, songwriter. Um, this whole group, and you know what I forgot to mention when you asked me who influenced me, is these guys in the band, you know. These are some of the baddest brothers. Some yeah. Of, yeah. Some of the great, really great people, really great fathers. Like, I mean, if, if, if like, I'm probably the worst dad out of all these guys. And Don't I'm, say that. No, 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 no. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and I still, to this day, even though my kids are over 18, you know, I, I, I still make sure my kids are good. So, and and I've never been in, you know, never been, the mom never took me to court for anything because I've been a, yeah. a good father and made sure, you know, I will sell everything to make sure my kids are good. And those, yeah. you know, great people, great fathers, and those guys in, influenced me as well, especially Brother Odell. Um, mm -hmm. He's the one who started me, who started me writing, you know. Um, I wasn't thinking about writing until I met, you know, met met up with that cat. Okay. He definitely inspired me. And then when Carrie left, somebody had to step up. And then I pretty much, um, you know, I'm a fighter. I'm the, I'm probably the less talented dude in the band too. But because of my my me me working hard and me having a story, and me having something to say, and you know, coming from the coming from the community, coming from the hood, basically. Um, gotcha. I, you know, I have a go-getter mentality. So I probably, I probably co-wrote maybe, I co-wrote maybe half of the last four or five albums. Wow. So like what songs in particular? Oh, Believe in Us. Um, oh. Sometimes, um, uh, what else? Hold on, let me see something. Um, I think the, the the people want to hear some music. You got some mint condition music you can play in the background. Hold up. Um, I guess I can probably scan through some songs I wrote. Okay. Yeah. 
my son Brandon on the uh, intros of it you know back, uh -huh. back then I was really into like MySpace and stuff oh yeah we all had a MySpace account <laughs> so uh, it was dope to have him on the record and yes indeed so how many um, of the songs that you helped write uh, were nominated for Grammys or won Grammys Okay. Um. Well, the holiday CD mm -hmm. um, was the record was our first a nomination, you know, uh, okay. for a Grammy, and that was uh, and what's the name of that album, y'all? Somebody help me. Um, let's look it up. Uh, Rick, you don't remember? Uh, my memory is like great at a at some things and some. <laughs> Um, I'm bringing it up. Killing season. There you go. 
So Healing Season, our album, was nominated for a Grammy. Um, and on that record, it was like a lot of covers. Okay. Did some covers, and then we did some originals. I wrote, um, co-wrote two of the originals. Um, and most, for the most part, when I mentioned, like, I wrote something, like, I can't uh -huh. the idea. Like, the idea would not exist if, if it wasn't for me. Uh, and wow. So, that one was uh, Lonely Christmas. Hold up. Um, Lonely Christmas. Where does your inspiration come from to write when you write? Basically, like, real, real shit. Yeah. <laughs> Life. Like, yeah, 90% of the stuff I write is, like, actual stuff that happened to me. Uh, okay. Uh, Lonely Christmas is, like, you know, I really wasn't – excited about doing a Christmas project. And it was a great idea that, you know, um, I think between Odell and Stoke brought up that idea. Um, so Lonely Christmas was about, you know, a situation where you where you, you break up with someone and you're like, you know, you, you wish you could call a phone, you wish you could hear their voice. You know how you feel for a couple weeks after the- Right, <laughs> after right, the, after the breakup. And then uh, another one on there is, uh, not what I wanted. Not what I wanted is a song about um, dating someone who pretty much experienced, you know, trauma. And what happens mm -hmm. like that, it was like, I think it starts off as like, uh, you know, uh, your life wasn't great. You know, I tried to show you a better day. But no matter mm -hmm. how hard we try, some people you can't change. You know, some people you can't, you can't help. Um, Sometimes people have to realize they need help in order right. to better their life. And if, you know, I definitely encourage anyone out there, if you experience trauma and you have a temper from zero to 10 and you um, create violence on your significant other, man or woman, yes, you know, that you get some help because at some point, you're going to go through friends every three months. You're not going to be able to keep friends because of your, you know, because of something that happened to you in your past. You're not, at some point, your job, you're not, you know, the people around you are not going to want to be around you. Um, mm -hmm. But I definitely encourage any, everybody to get some help before you just, you know, end up alone with no job, no friends, nobody around you. Absolutely. You know, um, in my other life, outside of the performing arts, which saved my life, by the way, because I have experienced quite a bit of trauma from an early age, which is actually what has influenced me to going into the second career in counseling. What you said is very paramount. It's, um, it's, it's true. Um, I, I just did a podcast the other day on this new lunch um, series that I started, and I was talking in there about you know, relationships and boundaries and, but saying to people that until you can take care of yourself, until you're good with you, mm -hmm. you can't be good with anybody else. And, um, you know, evidence-based um, research tells us that trauma that one experiences in their youth, their childhood, 
if it is unresolved, and even sometimes when it has been addressed through a clinical process, a counseling process or whatever, it can carry forward for years, you know, because people have triggers and whatever, but it can domino, like you said, into um, from the relationships with family to their friends to their workplace, whatever. So I, I really applaud you and thank you for sharing that because um, it's important. It's a mental health issue. And, you know, there's a lot of stigma around the, the term words mental health, but it is what it is. And what's important, like you said, is this that people get some help. There's nothing wrong with seeking help. Definitely. I mean, you know, um, man, I mean, no one should, no one should ever have to deal with that, man. And, and, and it's sad that, that there's people that actually need help who actually hurt people, like hurt people, hurt people. And it's, you know, definitely, you know, it's, it's definitely sad. And I, you know, I definitely want to see, and I have no regrets of anyone, you know, um, that might have done anything to me. Um, I just ain't, you know, I, I understand where everything comes from, um, even though it's not okay to, you know, for anyone to do anything to you, you know, but I definitely, right. definitely understand. And um, yeah, hurt people, hurt people. Absolutely. But, you know, I saw something the other day that resonated with me, and it said that um, healed people can heal people, too. Yeah. You know, there's a flip side to that. And you said another thing. I know we're going kind of off um, point, but, you know, when it comes up, it comes up. So, yeah. you know, you said something that um, I'm really happy to hear, especially coming from a man, mm -hmm. because it's very rare. You said that even if it's a man who is the victim, and I um, have become aware, I haven't counseled them, but I have become aware in the past year of situations wherein the man has been the victim of the domestic violence. The perpetrator was the woman. Mm -hmm. And so that's not something that we see often, or we hear about often, but it's been going on, you know, probably for eons, you know, the men tend to have more of a macho persona about themselves and they are more guarded than women who might verbalize what's going on, mm -hmm. but they're experiencing verbal, physical, financial, emotional, mental abuse. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. That's, that's basically, you know, that, that is exactly what it is and um man there's something that's like really i was gonna say is that you know what the best way to describe it it's almost like living with because you have to tippy toe around the house you have to tippy toe anything you say you know anything you say wrong could go it can go from zero to ten and then once it goes to ten there's no telling where it could go from there and um it's it's almost like living with a, a it's almost like a kid i know how a kid feels it's almost like living with an abusive parent parents absolutely and you know 
Well, I'll just go here. You know, we were talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. And so what, one thing that I have seen on the local news here in Jefferson County, Birmingham, Alabama, which is where I am now, is that the instances of domestic violence have increased during the coronavirus um, quarantine. Why? Um, it has been attributed to people having to stay home. Now, if, you know, for people who are victims of domestic violence, it's a blessing to be able to get out the house every day and go somewhere or for the perpetrator to get out. But in a quarantine situation, I have been praying for those people because they may not have anywhere to go. But wonderful organizations like the YWCA have, you know, extended their um, staffing and hours and services to be able to provide counseling, you know, and other services to those who might come across that. But you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You're saying something um, that's really hitting home for me and what I do outside of performing arts. Yeah. I definitely, uh, definitely experienced it, you know, in a few situations. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm glad that you're okay. You know what? I actually have, I'm fine, but I actually have trauma from it. I okay. Can't, I can't watch when people get loud around me. I mm -hmm. mean, TV and TV shows, and they, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I watch, you know, some of the Lana Housewives. I watch some of the shows, and when it mm -hmm. gets loud, you know, I can't, I can't do it. You know. Okay, need, it's a trigger for you. It's yeah. I just, you know, I need peace. Oh, you don't know what you just said. You can ask my mama. And I know she's probably going to watch this when I post it on YouTube or something. But I tell people all the time on my Facebook, they will tell you. They call me Cara Jones. But there we go. <laughs> oh, what's up? We were having so much fun. We ran over an hour, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for your kindness oh. and your time. You were talking about you know, your involvement as an activist in the community in Minnesota, right? Yep. So, like I was saying, um, Brother Jamar Clark was uh, killed by Minneapolis Police Department. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, there were some people said that he was handcuffed. Oh. Um, uh, so, you know, I had to get out there. And the great thing about being out there with those ladies, is those women are, I used to think like, you know, I started to think, man, because being in a, being in a business and being, you know, having a strong mind and being a go-getter and that pit bull person, I was like, is there anything wrong with me? And of course, there's some things I, uh, I could have done better, you know, um, looking back at life, there's some things I would have done different and stuff like that. But whatever I did in the last, you know, like five to six years, I, I, I don't think so. Because those women pretty much showed me like they were at a place where I did something where opposedly to some people might have came across as wrong. Um, and no sister was like, you didn't do nothing wrong. Okay. You fought for yours. Someone mm -hmm. took your shit. You fought for it. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. 
you didn't you didn't hit nobody you ain't you know like you know people try to make you to be like a bad person yeah like like how you how am i a bad person i have a zero criminal record um i mean what what's bad about me you know because i speak out you know and it, and it's basically it's similar to you know it's similar to a, a black woman who uh who you know at work they they pile all the work on you and everybody talk to you like they're your boss and they uh and they you know they treat you a certain way and it's the good old boys club um and you speak out you know then you become this you know you y'all you the you know you the sister you you the you know you the sister with the mop what's the word i'm looking for you the uh you the angry black woman you the angry black <laughs> Ain't no, you're the black woman that can't get along with anybody and nobody likes you. Exactly. You know, How exactly. about that? Hey, you know, and so those sisters helped me realize that there's there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with people around you that you work with. There's nothing wrong with them being nice. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with you. If someone do something to you, there's nothing wrong with you, uh, you know, speaking out. And taking your shit back. So, what you are saying, and help me if I'm wrong, I'm gonna try to par paraphrase this, is that we should feel okay to express ourselves and to protect what is ours when people come at us the wrong way or try to take our stuff from us but in a respectful way. You have options. Either you mm -hmm. could, you know, either you could speak out or mm -hmm. you can sit there and do everybody's work and everybody on vacation all the time. And, you know, all them folks is just piling all their work on you, you know, because you're not in a situation to say anything. They could say something. They have privilege. You don't have privilege. Am I right or am why, I wrong? Why did you use the work situation? Well, I'm just curious. As we went from the streets to the job. What 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 made you come up with that scenario? I'm just curious. You know I'm a counselor, so and because, I'm a retired accountant, so I'm analytical. Because if, if you're in a work situation and if you speak out, and if no matter what good you do, you could be the top person at your job, you could be doing this, you could be doing that. The minute you speak out, then you have then you have this thing where you are, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like you got arrested. You know, you, if that's going to be on your record. Preach. Life. And so, and so, if you, huh? So if you're at Preach. work, if you're at work <laughs> and you, uh, and you, and you, and you speak out, you're going to be known as the angry black person. You're going to be known as the, uh, the, the troublemaker. You're going to be known as this. And you're wow. Gonna, that's deep, Rick. That's really deep. And black people will do it to you too. And I, and and, and I'm I just got to keep it real. What do Each you mean black people, people will do it to you? Why would why would we as a people who have been so oppressed do that to each other, Rick? What are you talking about? We Talk have We have All right, I'm going to keep it real with you. We Please. have we have black Beckys. There's black Beckys too. Mm. That, 
that get along with all the other people at work and talk about you behind your back and talk about you and treat you different because you are a different color, because you're darker, because you're lighter, and they won't support you, they won't help you. It happens. Now, I'm talking about, now, y'all live in a different city. So when I speak, I'm speaking to <laughs> what I've experienced and what I've seen. And of course, we support each other and we love each other and we take care of each other. But we also, you know, we also will uh, do whatever they can to get you out of a position. And in, in music business, too. It, it works in everything. All this shit is, all this shit is the same. You know, you got wait, people. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Wait a minute. Back it up. Go on. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I got you. You know what? Uh -huh. I like this music side of you, but I uh -huh. like this active activist side of you. Uh -huh. But, you know, you are a realist, too. R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You are a realist. Why? Because you speak the truth. Yeah. You're people. saying, you're talking about a subject matter that people want to sweep under the carpet. They want to throw the rock and hide their hand. Right. You know, to me, I know exactly what you're talking about because I've experienced it. To right. me, it's a modern-day form of bullying. It's a modern-day form of bullying. Either one person doesn't like you, and then a group of people that they know, they, you know, pass on, spit that venom in their ears or whatever, exactly. and then it just, like this pandemic, it grows. It grows. But you know what I'm saying? But if you know the person who's spitting the venom, then some people are not going to take it serious. But at some point, okay, say in the corporate situation, everybody new to come in, that come in, they're going to be like, you know, this, uh, you know, this person, Rick is this, Rick is that, Rick is that. And so they're going to talk bad about you to everybody. And yep. you want to say something about it, you know, to your boss, but... But then you, then you come across as this, and you you know you put in all these different situations, and the same thing in in, in a band situation. All it takes, okay. for, all it takes for one dude not to like you, then eventually he's gonna get somebody else to be on his team, you know. So it works all over in every every situation. Yeah. But and but as black people, we can't do that to each other. We gotta support each other. I love what what uh, P Diddy is doing, bringing us all together. Um, right. I think once we all come together, you know, I love what Cardi B is doing. Um, you know, supporting people, supporting supporting Bernie, you know, mm -hmm. mad at the people because they didn't get a chance to get out and vote. And at the same time, we didn't educate. Here's what we need to do. We all need to come together, like Puff Daddy is doing. There's power. If he brings together 25 people, you got over, each person got, you know, 900,000 followers to, you know, to a Cardi B. I don't know what she has, but I'm assuming it's probably 59 million. Millions. Huh. Get about 30 people like that together. 
everybody speaking the same thing, everybody educating the community. Most people don't know what Super Tuesday is. People right. wait till the election to go out, you know, to the president election to go out and vote. Right. You have to educate them next time. We all okay. got to be on one accord and telling all of our fans that it's important to get out there and vote to make that, you know, to get the person in, to get, to get the person where Joe is at right now. We all got to, we all got to educate the people and let them know how important it is, when to do it, and when to get out there and vote. And if we don't do it now, we're going to end up with a person who touches, you know, who's a little bit friendly with the kids. And then we, we that's going to be our option. And then we're stuck in the same place as we was last time. Nobody really excited. But we got to right. go out. You know, I think more right. people excited if Bernie would have been in there. That's just my personal opinion. Okay. You know, the brother was promised. I mean, the dude was promising something to everybody. He was going to legalize. We, we messed up. He was gonna <laughs> I have nothing to say about that. I am not a partaker at all, medical or otherwise. <laughs> I don't, I don't smoke, but like once every six months or something like that, you know, I, I don't, I don't indulge in that. But he was promising people something. He was gonna, like, and I, I don't even know what this other dude is promising, but we're stuck with him now, just like you know Hillary. We're stuck in the situation where we have to vote for this person now. Well, it is what it is. And so, as I say in my panel discussion with live entertainment that I tour, mm -hmm. uh, with, it's called the Lemonade Chronicles. Mm -hmm. When we are given lemons, we do what? We make lemonade. Lemonade. So even in this situation with the upcoming election, 2020, mm -hmm. with the situation that you talked about with the young man who was killed, unfortunately, mm -hmm. with the situations that people might encounter in their workplaces, mm -hmm. in their friend circles, in their bands. We take it. Yeah. We process it. We pull out the good and discard the rest. How do you say? Take the meat and throw out the bones. But you know what? We gotta support each other. We gotta stick together. Yep. We can't. We can't. If you know, if you know somebody's gonna snap, and if somebody, uh, if somebody's taking from them, if somebody's treating them wrong, we gotta support the people. We gotta speak up for them. If you are an ally at work, you gotta be an ally. You could say things that another person can't. You have to speak up for that person. If you're in a band and you and, and one of your brothers are like someone took something from them, you gotta speak out and say, yo, whoever the role manager is or whatever, you gotta speak up and say, make sure, give him his stuff back. Take care of him, take care of this shit right now, or else there's gonna be a problem. You gotta stick together. You can't, you you can't. That's the only way everything is going to work. You got to stick together. We got to stick together. Oftentimes what happens is those people that stick together are the ones who are perpetrating the um, animosities 
the lies and the fallacies. Okay, so what happens then, um, you know, you get into these situations of favoritism and all that, but people, because they are concerned about their own well-being and maintaining their livelihoods and stuff like that, they have a tendency to not speak up. They have a tendency to shy away, shun, or be quiet about um, instances where there is um, a lack of integrity, right, or abuse towards another, because they don't want to then be retaliated on. Right. Some and, and some people want to leave you out there so you can so you can do the wrong thing. So yep. you, you know, so so they could uh so they can justify their moves. I was gonna say that. And then they can just slide on in, right? Yeah. yeah. Or slide on out. Or slide out. You got it. Yeah. You got it. You're right there with me. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take up um too much more of your time tonight. I have really, really, really enjoyed getting to know you. I know that um, the listeners here on your page, Mint Condition Official, have enjoyed because I have been reading these comments as I listen to you. You know that you guys have some diehard fans. I am one of them. I'm one of your diehard fans, and I will always be. I can't wait till your project comes out. Of course, I will keep in touch with you because I look forward to working with you some more. Definitely, and definitely. Um, I'm just, you know, I just take off my hat to you because you guys, music is food for the soul. And Mint Condition still blesses me. Uh, I don't listen to it now because of this interview. I've been listening to it for over three decades, you know? Right. Appreciate so that. I, I just really want to applaud you and thank you for your many sacrifices. I know your family missed you, you know, your friends. There's a lot of sacrifices that you guys made to make it to the plateau, right, huh? that you um, reached. So I'm just grateful. Cara Jones Unlimited LLC. I'm filtered with Cara Jones Unlimited LLC podcast. We are most grateful, Rick, for thank you. you. I just want to give a shout out to the fans. Y'all are the best fans. We appreciate y'all for streaming our music, for uh, the support through all these years. You've made it, you know, you made it possible for, you know, for those who are not, you know, went out to go solo to still, you know, to still maintain, you know, and to still be able to, you know, pay the mortgages in the studios. And it's, yeah. you know, because of y'all, you know, so we definitely appreciate y'all. I definitely love y'all, and, and I thank y'all to the fullest. Uh, before we go, though, uh, I'm just going to, I don't like playing music for my record at all, but I'm going to play y'all a little something. Yay! Yippee! I was hoping that you would bless us with something. Thank you. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's this? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're holding. It's gonna play a little something, a part of a song. Okay. Up, like I want y'all to be surprised when this record come up. I want okay. To, but uh, this is a this is a little track. We've all experienced something similar to this, where you meet someone online. It's something I wrote, you know, 20, <laughs> 20 years ago. Where you meet you meet someone online and you're not sure if it's them. Oh and, no. <laughs> 
Anyway, so it goes a little something like this, though. Show me to And that's not even my best. That's not the songs you ever heard from me. There's just songs that I just shared because I'm saving my best for the record. Very good. Very good. Well, we have a lot to look forward to, and we are excited. Looking forward to this project. Again, the name of the project? Truth Behind the Lies. Truth Behind the Lies. Help Behind bring the Lies. To life, <laughs> Truth is power. Truth is power. Yes, it is. Share, um, share the link. And make sure y'all go check out. I just added seven new songs to my uh, playlist on Spotify. It's called 10 Million Strong. Oh. It's favorite Mint Condition songs. And I'm, add, I'm adding to it every week. So I just added seven more tracks. So go check it out, y'all. And I got a new playlist coming within the next four days. And it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be purple. So definitely check that out, too. I'm excited. Well, thank you again. Any fans got any questions at all? Any fans got any questions? Any fans out there with questions? I saw Selena. Selena's was asking a whole bunch of stuff. There she is. We got you, Poppy, she's saying. Who else is this? No, Stokely's not on this one. Yes. 
We all love mint condition and Rick. Yeah. Well, I am getting ready to sign off. There's a question. Do you still play Warwick basses? Yes, I do. Yep, I do. Okay. Warwick. How are you coping with being inside with the quarantine? I am, um, I get to work, you know, I get to work. Uh, I'm, I'm not at my studio right now. Um, so I get to, you know, I get to work and basically, um, you know, getting closer to finishing up this record, you know? So, so where's your GoFundMe again? Cause this gentleman wants to know how he can help. He wants the link information for the GoFundMe. It's in the bio. The link is in the bio, but the, actually there's an interview in the bio and the first question has the link on there. Or you can just look up Rick from Mint Condition on uh, GoFundMe. Yes. And it's on Facebook as well. If you go to Facebook and you type in Rick from Mint Condition, the GoFundMe information will come up in his bio. And it's on my Cara Jones Unlimited LLC page. Well, Cara Jones Unlimited page, community page on Facebook as well. Yeah, but just do a search for, you know, Rick from uh, Min Condition. Yeah, it's out there. I saw it. Appreciate it's in you. The Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. All right, y'all take care, y'all. Appreciate y'all.